Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Grr, I That's some bad hat hair. It's a cool Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis, and today we'll be discussing Gravity Falls Season 2, and to do that, we are once again joined by Lucas Damask Heil. Leary. Damask Leary is yeah. back again. Hi, Damask. How Hi. are you? Yeah, I'm great. That's good. You sound a little different today. Yeah, yeah. Got a bit of a Lucas Heil vibe I've going. i a haircut. <laughs> a haircut. How are you doing, Lucas? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Thank you very much for coming back to Hunting Seasons. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward very much to discussing Gravity Falls Season 2, which I always want to put out there right away at the top of this, in case people happen to accidentally stumble upon this and wondering what it is, how they can listen to it. Disney Plus is out now, at least in the States and in Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Sorry, UK and Europe. It's coming in March, it's I think. It's coming soon. It's coming. Gravity Falls Season 1 and 2 is on there. In its entirety, you can watch it right now. Mm. So, you have no excuses anymore. Last time it was more difficult when we discussed Season 1. Now you can w- watch it to your heart's content. But Lucas, what have you been up to? You been watching anything interesting? I, uh, well, I got some news in Fuller. Oh, well, not news really. News in Fuller. Yeah, I guess it's not it. technically news. I've, I've been watching Pushing Daisies. Oh, yes. One of the Brian Fuller shows I've been mean to get Brian, to. Yeah, and uh, really enjoying it. So, tell me about Pushing Daisies. That's, how old is that now? That sort of I have no early idea. 2000s? It feels like it, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah, the CG has aged a little. Sure, So, sure. I'm guessing around 2000s, and yeah. this is, is it Lee Pace? Is that the, who's the... No, no oh. idea. Okay, sure. Tell me about what you think about pushing daisies all the same. Um, well, I've, we're just getting into me and my girlfriend are just into season two now, um, and it's it's uh, it's not heavy. Sure, it's it's a very lighthearted show. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of heart, and it's um, it's fun. Is there like an episodic loop to it? Is there a certain like? Is this like a monster of the week type show, or like the one that we've watched, Brian Fuller show? Apart from like. Star Trek Discovery, which he started in American Gods, was Dead Like Me, where the loop was always someone needs to be taken through the afterlife to the next world or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a there's a recurring there's a recurring loop through each show where, um, uh, without giving too much away, because I guess this isn't a spoiler because it's in the first five minutes of the first sure. episode. But um, the idea is uh, it's about a guy who has the ability to. Um, if he touches something or someone that's dead, mm. they will come back to life. Oh. But there are rules around that that he learns, um, like uh, the, f- the fact that if he touches them again, they die permanently. Right. Oh, okay. And he can't bring them back. And if he brings someone back to life, 
and uh, they and he doesn't kill them again within one minute of bringing yeah. them back to life, then the karma of the universe dictates that someone else or something else will die in the nearby vicinity. Interesting. Yeah, and there's there's all these little rules that come up as as the show goes on and a lot of questions that you're probably already thinking they get addressed yep. as time goes by. Um, well, most of them do. Sure. Yeah. And but you're enjoying it overall. Is it like so? It's a light vibe. Is it like a comedy or is it a? It's a light. It's a light-hearted uh, show in the sense that um, you don't want to try and take it too seriously and mm-hmm. pick it apart because it, it's pretty flawed in its premise. Sure. But if you're willing to go along with it, it's a lot of fun. Um, have you watched much else or much other Brian Fuller stuff? None at all. Oh, really? Okay, mm. cool. I'd love you to give. I don't know. Have you listened to our Dead Like Me reviews? No. No. Uh, maybe I, I kind of want to say go and watch it to see how awful it is, but maybe don't. I don't recommend that. Go and listen to our reviews. They sure. were a particular type of torture. Like, <laughs> they, but season two in particular, we were just like, why are we still watching this show? It was fascinating, fascinating viewing. Sure. Anyway, uh, anything else you've been watching? Um, I've been giving a crack at some of the new shows on Apple TV+. Plus. Mm, you're more informed than we are because I haven't watched a single second of any of them yet. Mm. Which ones have you been watching? Um, so, so far, I've watched um, For All Mankind. Right. The one I'm most interested in, I think. Mm-hmm. How's that? I'm not... Gra- <laughs> it, it didn't grab me in the way that I thought it would. Sure. That was the one I was also quite interested in. Because from memory, it's like an alternate history of like the space race sort of mm. thing, right? Mm. Yeah. The first episode is so slow. Okay. It's, it's just really badly paced. It feels like the entire first episode, which... I think goes for an hour or an hour and a half. Mm. It feels like they could have just put that in a montage at the start of the episode for, you know, a, a one minute montage at the start that sort of explained everything just that happens. Establishes like a setting or yeah, something. Because the, the first episode is establishing what's going on. Right. And it feels like you get that in the trailer. Mm. And if you've seen the trailer, you've kind of seen the first episode. I mean, it does introduce the characters a little bit. Sure. But. but the characters aren't that interesting. That's a shame. Yeah. Like, obviously, the setting sounds interesting, an alternate history, space race, all that sort of stuff sounds fascinating. But if you don't have the heart, if you don't have the characters to pull you along, mm. I mean, what am I watching? It's just... You know, the show that was surprising that I enjoyed was um, Dickinson. This is the one that people keep talking about. Yeah. Because I do like... Is it Hayley, Hayley Steinfeld is the main actress? Yes. And I enjoy her. Mm-hmm. And we watched the trailer for that and were sort of like... What's the vibe it's going for? It's sort of got this like modern sensibility, but like a period setting. Yeah, it does. It it, it is a little on the nose sometimes, where, mm. where you kind of taken out of the world, and it's sort of like, hey, we can relate to you through rap. Uh, oh, hey, cool. kids! But, oh, I'm in. But it's it's not too bad. It 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 treads that line. They've obviously put a lot of. I think there's been a lot of rewrites. Yeah, and it they've found a balance that you're. It is on the nose, but you're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How far into that one are you? One episode. Okay, cool. But the first episode got you in? Yes. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that's the one based on the buzz around it I want to watch the most. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to watch Morning Wars or C or no. any of the other ones? No. That- I'm interested in watching both of those. Yeah. And they're the ones that I feel like I might... Oh, 
yeah, well, now that I've seen For All Mankind and I thought that was going to be okay, yeah. I'm, I'm a little concerned about my judgment on these things. Apparently, all of these shows that we've just mentioned have been already greenlit for a second season, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. The other question I had for you, how did you get access to um, Apple TV Plus? Did you buy a new Mac product recently or Apple product recently and that's why? Or do you, are you paying the fee up front? I'm paying the fee up front. Cool. Well, I got this, you get a seven-day trial. Oh, okay, sure. So try and that's where you're at the moment, just yeah. trying it all. Yeah, seven days was enough to go through and go, I'm not sure that I want to be paying a monthly fee for this. That was my next question. Do you think you're gonna keep paying for it? It depends on how frequently they release new content for it. Right. Because a lot of it has it's like just a bulk drop of the season. Yeah. Um some of them they seem to have done they've dropped three episodes up front mm-hmm. and then they're gonna drip feed the rest. Right, is that model. is interesting. They've done. I've seen that happen with a few. There was another show that was like that. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, which is terrible podcasting. But that, like, you started with a few episodes and then started going weekly. Like, mm. just get that binge model people in and then go, ha ha, now you got to wait. Yeah, which is an interesting way of doing it. Um, where yeah, because now that the Mandalorian has launched, it started here with two episodes mm. and it's coming out weekly. But that's got a weird schedule. There's some rumours, actually, that they might tie into the next Star Wars film because they're release- it's releasing its second last episode a day or two before the new movie drops. Oh. And it's out of its normal... It's on a Wednesday rather than a Friday, like they're coming out or something right. like that. Which is interesting. I think that's definitely... I don't think you're reading into the tea leaves too much No, there. I, I think, think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, not going to subscribe right now. Going to see what happens going forward. <laughs> well, I let the seven-day period... Laps. I was oh, lazy. So you've paid your first I was month. lazy, and yeah, so I paid you. for a month. So we'll see. They might release some new stuff within the next thirty days, <laughs> and I, I might be on board again. Who knows? We'll, we will see. I look forward to hearing what you think of that. In the meantime, though, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Gravity Falls season two. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Gravity Falls Season 2 wastes no time, diving headlong into the thick of it, addressing series-long mysteries and making a beeline for an epic finale. The creative team and core cast all return, with more celebrity cameos than ever before. Depending on how you choose to break it down, Season 2 consists of 21 episodes, each coming in at around 22 minutes, with the exception of one episode that reaches 29 minutes, and took us approximately 7 hours and 50 minutes to watch. Season 2 is the final season of Gravity Falls, though hope springs eternal for some that the show may one day return for more mysteries and adventures. So, Lucas, before we get to our spoiler-free reviews, we should just remind everyone what you thought of Season 1. Can you give everyone a brief overview of your thoughts of Gravity Falls Season 1? Um, well, in short, I believe uh, I... As an overall score, I gave it. I tried to give it four point one stars. You did and try. You declined. <laughs> tried to break the rules. Yeah. How uh, dare you? And I rounded it down to four, which is where I ended up as well. Was on four. Yeah. Um, yeah. R- lots of fun. Uh, very funny show. Cool mysteries going through it, though. I think my big criticisms were, uh, yeah, it, f- it was holding a lot back. In particular, I was worried about Stan, Grunkle Stan, mm. was sort of kept at arm's length. There's a lot of mystery around him. Yeah, you were you, you found yourself not really not really invested with in him. him. No, yeah, yeah. just because he always seemed to be kept outside the stories, or his B or C stories just weren't all that interesting to me. Like the the hook with him is always he's doing some sort of scam or something like that. Yeah, 
And like that was fine, but it was always less interesting than what Dipper and Mabel were doing, basically. Yeah, just crazy hijinks in yeah. the background. But overall, we enjoyed it thoroughly and was really looking forward to season two. So, as the Gravity Falls expert here, I'm going to ask you, Lucas, to give us your spoiler-free review of season two first, please. Sure. Thank you. If season one of Gravity Falls was all questions, season two is all answers. Well, sort of. There's also more questions and then some hints, but then there's answers. And that's what you want from a show that has given you a lot of questions. You want answers. But you also kind of want some questions unanswered for a bit because intrigue is fun. But you still want the answers eventually. And season two of Gravity Falls manages to juggle the two well. And when the questions do finally get answered, it's really satisfying. You hear me, J.J. Abrams? Setting the show over a finite period of time, in this case one summer, is a nicely calculated and clear indication that creator Alex Hirsch and his team has a story to tell and it isn't going to allow the story to overstay its welcome with meandering subplots and leave itself with too many loose ends to tie up. As this second season eases itself into taking its overarching narrative more seriously, it doesn't do so at the mercy of dropping the silliness that makes the show so charming and fun. The humour is still off-kilter and on point. And now that we're acquainted with Dipper, Mabel, Stan, Wendy and Seuss, Season 2 gives us the opportunity to learn more about each of the characters. We get to see the ancillary characters having their own emotional arcs and delve into their backstories, giving formerly one-dimensional characters a richness that makes you appreciate their place in the story when things finally come to a head. We also get to explore heavier relationship dynamics between the main cast and learn a lot more about why the town of Gravity Falls seems to be such a hotbed for paranormal activity. Summer is coming to a close, and although saying goodbye to Gravity Falls is a little sad, it is an immaculately crafted bookend to a story filled with mystery, humour, true character, and above all, genuine heart. I 100% agree with all of that. It is... You're right about the answers and the way that it sort of, you know, gives you some answers, gives you more mysteries, strings you along, but also leaves you satisfied at the end, I think is the thing that's really important about this. Mm. It's interesting what you're saying about the finite period of time they've made for themselves with it being over a summer, right? Yeah. Because there are plenty of cartoons or similar shows that would just have that summer last forever. Yes. Like yeah. The Simpsons, no one ever ages in that show. Mm. Or South Park, I don't know what grade they're anymore, but they're still in like primary school sort of thing. Like, yeah. there are plenty of ways to just ignore that completely and say they've been on summer forever. Yeah, and I love the fact that they've taken, they've taken that to the core of like, part of the, the conflict in the show is like, summer won't last forever. Yeah. I, well, yeah, some won't last forever. There's this whole fear of growing up that's going on mm. throughout this. I think you're talking about, you know, you get to dive into the characters more. One thing I sort of struggled to talk about, we, we talked a little bit about like Dipper and Mabel and stuff last time, but they were very much just on the surface. Like it yeah. was what who they are as people, but we didn't necessarily get a chance to really dig into them, what makes them tick, what they're worried about, what motivates them and how that relates to one another and this season is so much better for that yes particularly dipper and mabel have mm. some great stuff all season Absolutely. they have great episodes that are specifically about them mabel i think you said last time we talked about this that Mabel's your favorite character um or that at least that i don't know if that's maybe that's overreaching a little bit but you definitely talked her up and i just love her to bits in yeah. this show i think she's yep. an incredibly fun presence um and yeah, there's an episode that we'll talk about later that I just love with her. Um, 
what else do we got to talk about here? So I don't have, my review is a bit more scattered than yours. Definitely this season had a lot more momentum going into it than season one. Straight away, they do something that helps with the stand problem that mm. I had last season. Yeah. I don't want to spoil what that is because we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah. But they, they do something to so he doesn't have to be so far mm. out of reach. He definitely still is at times. I still think there are long stretches of, the, of this season where Stan is an afterthought. Yes. Um, but he, they, they bring him back into the fold and, and fix a big problem there straight away, which I really appreciated. Um, they're definitely not running out of ideas for episodes as well. There are still mm. some truly unique and interesting mystical and sci-fi ideas in this show. A lot of great episodes that I was considering being my favourite episodes. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah, a couple I had a struggle in, with that. <laughs> me too. But there's a couple in particular that stand out which I look forward to. And as I said earlier, overall, the mysteries and the answers are very satisfying. This is a show that you can tell when they were laying breadcrumbs, they had an intended answer in mind. Yeah. And I'm sure that some things have changed along the way. Mm. Um, there's a couple of little details I want to discuss with you in particular about what that means or why that was there or was that just sort of like fobbed over a little bit? I think I know. There's yeah, one in particular that I've gone back to and sort of gone, what is that about? But anyway, mm. um, but overall, it was definitely, yeah, you can feel the craftsmanship there. This was a story that was developed meticulously. This isn't a J.J. Abrams problem where they go, mystery, someone else figure it out. Mm. They had answers in mind. They're willing to tell you. And it is very satisfying. At satisfying because it's not just about getting the answers. It's how it fits into the greater emotional story between the characters. The overall arcs of these characters um, and the story by the time we get to the end is extremely Satisfying that it's what it keeps coming up, but it is. It's a great conclusion and you feel full afterwards and that um, this is a story really successfully told. It's still genuinely hilarious. I've taken probably five times as many notes for this season than I did the first season. <laughs> and some of that's because there's mysteries and answers and lore that's coming out. Mm. But sometimes it's because I'm just writing down some of the things that are making me laugh. Like yeah. lots of little bits I look forward to talking about when we get to our, um, our uh, extra notes section at the end of this. Yep. I also just want to talk about... Yeah, you were saying how we get to explore the more ancillary characters a bit more as well. Mm -hmm. And this is a show with a really... It understands it has a strong extended cast. The people of Gravity Falls um, that surround the show, who are sometimes just little one-liners. Like, Lazy Susan is mostly just like a bit about having one lazy eye. Yes. And yet, you you care about her and her diner a little bit. And there are Mm. other characters throughout Gravity Falls that... The town of Gravity Falls that have some really interesting backstory and like their own little victories and arcs that are really fun to talk to uh to see as well but one of the things i really want to talk about is just the fact that this show is a disney show because there is some truly fucked up imagery and existential horror throughout um the show there are a couple episodes in particular but especially by the end where i'm like this is straight out of neon genesis evangelion (laughs) This was something I, I I believe I brought that up when in, when we did our first season discussion. Yeah, I I was sort of I was I was baffled by the fact that it was it was rated Y seven in the US, mm-hmm. um, and I think I don't think the full extent of that really resonated with you until this season. It, I think it got a little more crazy. There's yeah. Well, again, we'll talk about it in spoilers. In fact, we'll start our spoilers section by talking about some of that imagery, but. It got a little bit because it's not necessarily about like there is occasionally like blood and and like that sort of horror, but often it's more of like an existential horror. It's like 
mind-bending and weird and like terrifying if you think about what the implications of that would actually be because mm. it can yeah. look just amusing in a cartoon but then you apply it to like if this was happening in real life that would be truly sickening <laughs> and like upsetting to look at um and there are there are images in that in that season where that I I have very vividly in my head like I totally. can't get them out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm looking forward to talking about that in a second. There is one criticism I want to bring up about this show, though, and we did talk about this last season, mm-hmm. and it came up again this season. And it's it's a weird one, because it might be just an outdated thing that this, this show is not that old, but I want to bring it up now because it's not really a spoilery thing. It's just that it occasionally, and it only happens every so often, has a, a bit of an obsession with gender jokes for some reason. Yes. And yeah. it happened again this season. Yeah. I picked it up. There was one bit where Seuss is trying to like pick up women, which is weird that he's just trying to pick up women at the mall. But mm. maybe again, I think that might have changed over the last like decade about how appropriate that would be. Yes. But he gets confused about whether someone's a man or a woman. And that's like mm. the punchline. Um, there's a line, I can't remember where it comes from, or if I'm a man or a woman was in there. So someone's confused about that. And then there was another one where two characters... Male characters are, stand, are talking to each other and one is dressed as a woman because they're in disguise. Yep. And someone walks in and is just like, I don't want to touch this and walks away. That's like, yeah. why are we doing is this? Is it necessary? Is this necessary? Really? Is that really yeah. where the humor should be coming from? But that being said, this is also a show that you've just informed me that originally had Louis C.K. as a voice in it. Mm-hmm. And in the versions that are now on Disney+, Plus. He has been redubbed. He's been replaced. Which is pretty cool. Yes. Because there's some great celebrity cameos and it's not that big a role and could very easily have just been ignored. Absolutely, You yeah. would have only really noticed if you knew the voice or if you looked at the credits closely enough. Mm-hmm. But that's a cool choice to go, we don't really want Definitely, yeah. this involved. How, how do you feel about that? Does that feel like the right thing to do for you? I Absolutely. I think that's the right thing to do. I, I yeah, 100% applaud their decision to do that. Agreed. Yeah. Fits the values of the show. So, with that in mind, what is your final score for Gravity Falls Season 2, Lucas? My final score is 4.33 stars. You bastards. How dare you? Can I do 4.5? You can. All right. I will allow 4.5. Four and a half stars out of five. But it's, it's, it's also one of those things where, similar to um, when... Uh, when you and Damask were discussing BoJack, mm-hmm. I think you were saying how the ratings of the different seasons can vary, but overall, as a show, we consider that a five star show. Five star show, potentially. To yeah. me, to me, this is a this is a five star show as well. I totally get that, and it's the thing after season two is I'm keen to go back and rewatch season one. Mm. with all this information in mind. Because I'm sure there's lots of stuff buried in there that I'm going to go, oh, right. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is cool. Oh, this moment with Stan makes sense. I understand why they're doing this now, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, they're particularly the one where they go in, they find that secret room with the glasses. Yes. I think that, is that the one with the shrink ray, I think it is? I can't remember what it is. Uh, the secret room I can't. the carpet. Is it the carpet one? The carpet, yeah. Carpet DM? Yes, yes. Well, it changes their bodies or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the mind sp- Body swap one. Yeah, that's the one. I want to go back and rewatch that one specifically because I'm sure there's stuff in there that I've The missed. attention to detail in the artwork is Yeah. There's yeah, there's so many little things that are hints at things that have happened or th- that are going to happen. Yeah, it's And that's why these like especially this review from me, it's like it's a first impression. 
And you've watched this show how many times do you reckon? Four. Four times through? Four times, Right, yep. just as a general guess. And like the idea that I can go back and get more out of it every time, it really yeah. does a lot. Yeah. So I'm actually going to give this a 4.5 as well. I'm not going to say it's a five-star show, but this season was a 4.5 for me. Really, really enjoyed it and really highly recommend it. So if you have Disney+, Plus, I highly recommend checking it out. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning, on this episode we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of Gravity Falls. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Gravity Falls up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution, there are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Let's talk about some of the... Absolute fucked up imagery that this show has going for it. Yeah. And please, I'm sure you've got stuff in there that I'm forgetting as well. 
The, the one that comes to mind straight away is Bill Cipher's Throne of Gravity Falls Townspeople, mm-hmm. which is just... I, we're going to get to this later. Bill is a fantastic villain, and that is a excellent representation of like his weird, demonic ways. Absolutely, yes. Uh, it is horrifying to look at. And as they sort of say, I think he says, like, they're not conscious, I think. <laughs> and it's like, fucking, what if these people are just stuck here in this like existential pain? Um, the In the episode where they go to the Northwest Manor, mm. and there's like, I think it's the first time that Dipper really encounters the ghost. And there's blood dripping from the eyes of, like, the heads mounted around the room. Mm. And, and not, then- not fake Disney green blood. It's, no. It's blood blood. Blood blood. They've got black eyes and they're like, they hear this ghostly voice. And then a fiery skeleton comes through the painting and then rematerializes this muscle body around it to create the ghost. And it's just like, what the fuck am I watching? So horrific. And then later in that episode- he starts, like, turning the people into wood, right? Mm. Which, like, on its surface doesn't sound all that scary. But, like, he gets people as they're caught, like, reaching out in fear, trying to escape. Seeing it in process. Yeah. yeah. And Dipper says himself, what's like, whoa, that is messed up. I'm like, yeah, that is messed up. <laughs> this is totally crazy. It's, and yeah, you go on. It's super disturbing. I, it, I, I think one of the things that... I, I think because the show is... Drawn in the style that it's drawn in, mm-hmm. you just don't expect those sort of things. And when they when they happen, you just they have that much more impact. They're just like, oh, oh, god, what you can do that? I guess it's probably why they're able to ride that line. If they went for a more realistic style, they might not be able to do that so much because it's very big eyes, almost Family Guy esque in some ways, though much better animated than Family Guy and stuff is. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's such a cartoony style that they're using. I guess they can get away with it a little bit. It yeah. feels more cartoon violence, I guess. Yeah. But they're definitely invoking some really graphic imagery. I do stand by that I think... I, part of me wishes the designs of the characters were better. Mm-hmm. But I cannot ever fault the animation. There are some sequences in this season. The middle episode, uh, when they finally get Ford back. And then towards the end of the season as well, in particular, the animation is excellent. Like doing I, some such fun stuff. I actually learned something recently about the character design in this show yes. because I thought it. I think last time I was talking about how it's sort of that CalArt style mm-hmm. of drawing, but I've learned since then that that its main influence, according to Alex Hirsch, was um, the Muppets. Because, oh. because their specific designs as a child, they resonated with him and, and were very distinct. I can see that. He's kind of replicated them off of a similar sort of style in terms of the eyes and, yeah. and facial expressions and facial features. Well, there is that sequence. There's the episode that's all about puppets where Bill turns Dipper's body into a puppet, which is also terrifying in the way that they realise that with his crazy eyes and stuff. Yeah. Um, quite like that. And I like the bit as well in that where Dipper is using one of the, his own puppet to uh, like f- to possessing that and like using that to talk to Mabel. That's very fun. Um, but in at the end of that episode, I think during the credits, they have a couple of puppets made. Yes, yeah. And like Muppety type puppets, which mm. reminded me a lot of, I don't know if you've ever seen the puppet versions of Homestar Runner and yes. Strong Bad. Yeah. So I'm assuming... 
I uh, hadn't even made that connection, but yeah, you're right. That's so. What's the guy's name? Uh, Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman. I'm assuming that he was involved in that. Massive assumption. Has to have been. But feels so similar as to be like ah, oh, he was probably a part of making those. <laughs> but that I can, I can see that definitely. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's my. It's one of my those things I wish was just a little bit different, maybe. But that being said, it's like it's still charming for what it is. Um, and then just in general. The other bit about the imagery I want to talk about is just that yet. Yeah, the last episode, the weird Mageddon. And when the the rip in space-time opens above them and the giant pyramid that Bill creates, I'm like, this is fucking Evangelion. This is exactly like the third impact or something like that. This yeah. is so cool. Um, I, think you- you've, I think you've got to have a giant cross open up in the sky <laughs> during any scene involving the end of days, right? I, I, I mean, usually it's like blue lasers into the sky these days and stuff like that, right? Oh, Those sorts yeah. of portals, like that's what's become fashionable. Yep. But this was invoking a very specific sort of end of the world scenario that mm. I really, really appreciated to the point where I knew it was definitely specifically making that sort of connection when, um, who is it? It's uh, Seuss is showing anime to McGucket, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely AV Unit 2 is on the screen. It's like <laughs> yeah. a direct reference. Like, okay, you knew what you were doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should talk. What would you like to talk about, actually, Lucas? What's on the cards for you? There's uh, l- I could go anywhere. Okay. Well, we should, I think we should talk about the first big reveal, I think. Well, mm, take a step back. Mm. Stan, at the start of this, in se- episode one, we learned that he knows there's weird stuff going on in Gravity Falls, mm. which is helpful because we no longer have to have him be on the outside sort of being theoretically not aware of that stuff. Even though we knew he had this secret bunker and stuff for a long time, or at least the secret room behind the candy machine. They did seem to keep him far away. And so I was like, cool, he can be more involved. And he kind of is. But he's also doing weird (laughs) things like making giant balloon heads of himself and like... Sorry, that's another image that's stuck in my head. That giant giant flaming (laughs) Stan head just descending upon, (laughs) was it called Woodstick? Yeah. I I was appreciated that they got that out of the way, Mm. but they did, um, I don't know, I still don't think they used always use Stan to his greatest potential. How do you feel? Um, I... I agree to an extent. I feel like if if they had gone full in on Stan, I feel like it would have felt out of character. Sure. Like, but maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe because we know so little about him at that point it's not it's not a big deal. But I don't know. I feel like if they went full in on on exploring Stan and and bringing him into the relevance that the other characters have at that point, I feel like I don't know. It no, might you're right. His forced. character is not necessarily to engage with that stuff. His character is he is good at making money via scamming people. That is his thing. Um, I guess it, it almost comes down to the DNA of that character. And that's not to say it's mm. not relevant. He has an arc in there for sure. There yeah. is a reason for this character-wise, why he's like this and why he's kept like that. But it does keep him so outside the stuff that's most interesting in the show. Yeah, uh, periods, yeah. Even just episode to episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting element of the show. But obviously things change again. Once we finally find out what he's doing in the bunker, he's yeah. reopening a portal to another dimension mm. to retrieve his twin brother, Ford. <laughs> what was your immediate... So, when you watched this the first time, the show had been out for a while, yes? Yeah, yep. So, 
had you been like engaging in the, you hadn't been engaged in any theories and stuff. How could you? It was all out there as spoilers. Had you been making your own theories and stuff? Did this fall in line with like your what your suspicions were when this happened? Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't know anything about the show. I didn't. I you kept hadn't that. had this had the show spoiled Good. in any way. Excellent. Um. So I went into it blind, and I, I had. I'm trying to remember whether I whether I did have a come to a conclusion about that before the episode. I think it was at a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to know what's going on. Sure, here. Um, this clock's been ticking for long enough. Let's. You didn't let- necessarily have suspicions that it was a twin brother, or the um, author was somehow related to Stan or anything like that. No, neither did I. No, really, which now seems dumb. <laughs> because there's so many clues as to all that sort of stuff going on. Yeah. Um, you actually see him in the first season. Is he, when you go back in time, you see the house and it's like... Yes. It's interesting I noticed that because I went back to look at that scene because it was like, was that Stanford or was that Stan Lee? Mm. And I, I couldn't necessarily tell which set of glasses it was, but they mm-hmm. don't show his hands. So, you couldn't yes. see that he didn't have... Very six, specifically six don't show his hands. Very specifically didn't show his hands. Because <laughs> that's what I wanted to see. It's like, oh... Could he possibly had six fingers there? But no, people would have caught on to that, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really suspect it. I was expecting I was expecting a parallel universe, is what I kept thinking, right? Mm-hmm. For me, there's another show who I won't mention because it's major spoilers, but they're one of my favorite sci-fi shows from sort of the last 10 years or so. Had an incredible like parallel event dimension aspect where there were like two versions of the same person. Oh. Um, so, like, depending on which reality they were in, they would be similar, but would have different personalities and characteristics and histories. Right. And I kind of got that vibe. Definitely, you know, this door to another dimension. Um, could this be a dimension where maybe people had six fingers or something like that? So, they're very similar right. to human beings, but not quite. Yeah. Maybe there's a history there that even the twins aren't twins so much as they're the... Diff- like, because the thing that kept throwing me off, I think, in my predictions or my theorizing... Was Stan having the photo of the twins in the bunker? And he keeps talking about being for his family. It's a very mm. deliberate red herring yeah. to make you think he's talking about them when he's thinking talking about Ford a lot of the time. Yep. Um, my theory kept being it's like maybe Dipper and Mabel are actually two versions of the same person. Like, and they've like somehow come together. They're like. One's from the other dimension, one's from this dimension. Maybe that's why Dipper has the scar or something like that, which didn't end up being relevant at all. Mm. So, I was way off. (laughs) (laughs) But like when it's revealed that Stan has a twin brother, I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. We know there's twins in this family. Was it unsatisfying? No, it wasn't unsatisfying. Was it unsatisfying to you? No, but I uh, the the reason I asked that was because I don't think I had any preconceptions as to as to what it was going to be. My theories weren't fully formed. They yeah. weren't to the point where because there there's a line that I love they put this in as well that Seuss has. Uh, let me pull this up. Um, just as I think it's about to be revealed, I think Seuss says, "I hope this all aligns with my fanfic. If not, I'll be very disappointed." <laughs> And I was like, that's a very deliberate call out. Absolutely. Well, this is the thing. This is what I, uh, a shocking thing that I learned was how, um, how these episodes were released. I, which is something I want to get to later. They yeah. are, it is ridiculous the schedule these were released on. Yeah. Like excruciating. If you tried to do that with any show today, people would riot. Yes. <laughs> what the hell was going on there? There was like a month between episodes at times or more. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't work out any explanation as to why. Um, there's, 
theories going around that they were just releasing them as quickly as they could because of the production. They didn't want to wait to release season two any longer, so they were kind of just pushing them out when as, they were, they, as they were done right? and basically as soon as they could and would try and make a big event around each one because they were being released on average like two episodes a month, if that. Yeah, the, even the finale, like I think there's like a month between episode two and episode three. Yeah. And theoretically, the last three episodes, three or four episodes, depending on how you want to, con- you know, make the last one sound. Mm. Oh, just just by the way, the um, if if you are watching this or if you have watched this on Disney Plus, I believe they've split they've the split final them. episode into two episodes. Right. So there's four episodes. So there's four episodes now. Mm. But the they were released a month apart, episode one, to episode two, episode two, to episode three slash four, I think. Yeah. And it's like that's excruciating because well, they was, are part of the same story. There was between episode two and the. Finale, finale. Yeah. There was three months. Far out. Three months. Can you imagine that? Watching Game of Thrones. Like, (laughs) we have to wait, like, you know, a year and a half to two years, sometimes between seasons. But imagine you get to, like, the the very final episode. Danny's just destroyed King's Lane. One episode to go. See you in three months. (laughs) What? (laughs) What do you mean, three months? Now, that is... And I, like, especially for... what is you know? Obviously, you got a big following from uh, adults as well. But this is a kids show. You're asking a lot of patience yeah. from your audience. Yeah. Um, another quote from Seuss later on in the season. I'll have you know that Duck Detective has a big mystery element and a lot of humor that goes over kids' heads. Again, felt very called out <laughs> by yeah. being an adult watching this kids' Disney show. Side note: I would watch an entire season of, of Duck Detective. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. The Ford. The Ford reveal wasn't unsatisfying, mm. particularly because the very next episode did a really good job of tying everything that had come before it into it and helping you feel like all the clues were there. Um, it, it wasn't the wool was pulled over your eyes or anything like that. I kept wondering, had we heard the name Stanford and Stanley being irreplaceable for a while? Does that make sense? He's always Stan, right? Yeah. yeah. And Stanley is our Stan. Stanford is the J.K. Simmons one. Yeah. Awesome. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they mention it earlier on or not. I wasn't sure either. I kept thinking it would have been an easy one to throw in a Stanley somewhere in there. Like maybe he self-refers to himself as Stanley at one stage while everyone else calls him Stanford or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, little things like that. The the six fingers does seem like a little bit of a... Like, a, like it's explained well in terms of the motivating factors for Stanford. Yeah. But the six fingers feels so like... Uh, it could be something very mystical or otherworldly. That just comes down to he was just born with six fingers. Yeah. Could come across as a little bit flat as sort of a reveal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But not to a... Not... Yeah. yeah. That's me just theorizing Occam's about how it might feel. Oc- yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but overall, I really like that reveal. Mm. Uh, the relationship that, that develops between Stannis Ford is an interesting one as well. But I have... <sighs> The, yeah, going back through the history, how do you feel about that? Learning about Stanley and Stanford's childhood, learning about sort of how they were very close, like Dipper and Mabel, how they sort of fell apart because of Stanford's ambition. As um, which episode was that? That was eleven, I think, ten or eleven. Yeah. So Tale of Two Stands. Tale of Two Stands. Yeah. So I felt like Tale of Two Stands was. Um, as an episode, I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a very blatant info dump. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it's I, I forgive that. It was it's extremely it's entertaining. It's entertaining. Um, 
I I thought it was good. I thought I thought they justified how the characters have ended up where they are pretty well in terms of their emotional headspace and that sort of thing. Does it did you feel at all that once Stanford was introduced, Stanley got even pushed further into the background? Absolutely. For all of this? Yeah. Like it it makes Stanley feel I don't know, not irrelevant. Like and again, maybe this is part of like his character, right? He's always felt like the the loser of the two brothers. Yeah. But he Stanford take completely takes over. Like Dipper's mm. completely obsessed with him. He really connects with Dipper. Um He's a great inclusion. It drives the story forward for where it's going next, his relationship with Bill, etc. Mm-hmm. But Stan just becomes... Now he's got nothing to do. Yeah. Like, he's just living there until... Until he's kicked out Until at he's the end kicked of summer. out at the yeah. end of summer. Yeah. That's his whole purpose for a while. Yeah. I do sometimes feel like Stan was a little... And, um, like, this is not talking about the ending yet. We're going to talk about the ending a little bit later. Yeah. But it does, it does feel like he gets underused or just sort of, like... Kicked around a little bit, poor Stan. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, and he's not a role model. He's not, No, he's not. He, he, I don't think he... I, I, I don't know. I don't think he needed to have any more limelight. I, I think his character is not someone you want kids emulating. True. Um, yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a tricky one because of his upbringing. It makes it... It's an interesting thing to... To delve into he, his upbringing in terms of his violent father, it, yeah, whose <laughs> <laughs> father played by uh, the guy who plays Mike in Breaking Bad, Jonathan Banks. That's Jonathan right. Banks, yes, and just another amazing cameo in this show, full of amazing cameos. <laughs> Do you one again trying to tie this big mystery and story together? One element I was had a hard time feeling they justified was why Stanford didn't destroy the journals or why he didn't want them destroyed. I understand it's all his research he's been doing for a long time, but once there's this world-destroying potential problem ahead of him, the idea that he didn't just destroy the journals or at least rip out the pages that people could use to build this earth-destroying portal and then destroy them didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Why hide them if you don't want people to ever find them? Part of me wonders whether, and this is just this is reading into tea leaves. Yes, but part of me thinks that maybe that's something to do with Bill's increasing influence on his mind, and not allowing him to do that. Maybe, mm, yeah, possibly. Although at that point, it seemed like he divided those. Like he had yeah. got to that point, and like. Had been able to expel him, installed the plate in his head, I think, before then, yeah. you would assume. Um, and then, yeah, was... I mean, this was his big worry, right? Mm-hmm. What's, what's this going to unleash? Um, the other bit that I I wish... Maybe I've just missed the point of it. And the bit I was alluding to earlier in the spoiler for review is the scar that Stanley has from being pushed against the glyph. Yes. What's yeah. the glyph about? What Have, have I missed something? Or have I forgotten something? <laughs> I f- no, I don't think you've missed anything. I feel like that the glyph is um, just part of the machine. Okay. It's just one of those... Th- I think it's one of those things that they maybe put in at the start and they had the idea yeah. that, oh, it looks... It'll be a, a tattoo, but it's actually a burn mark. Sure. 
um, but they didn't really have anywhere to go with it. So they that just was threw it in to sort of tick that box and say, and that's how he got that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And it's about. not a tattoo. And that's the <laughs> twist. Because it, like, it gets like a bunch of hero moments. It's like, could it just been a tattoo, guys? Yeah. It could have just been... Why have a scalding hot symbol on the side Why of the machine? Why have a scalding hot symbol on the side <laughs> of the machine? I wish there was just a little bit of an answer for that. Um, yes, I, I agree. <laughs> I, do, I do like the misdirect, though. And I had to go back and make sure they explained it about Stanford di- Stanley Stanford dying in the car crash. No, Stan about Stan Lee dying in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Stan Pines dies in horrific car crash, yes. whatever it is. Yeah. And then I was like, which Stan was that? And then it's only a line that said, like, in a transition out of the flashback into the future is like, I even faked my own death. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I yeah. seriously missed that the first time I was going through. Yeah. Um, the other the bit of the whole backstory that I really love, though, is old man, poor old man McGucket. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that gets you in the feels. It does. It really does. Yeah. And to. To sort of start pointing in that direction that he might be involved is really clever because, like, episode two, they established this guy can build, like, robot dinosaurs. Mm. And it's like... And you kind of... They they don't bring it up again for ages. Like, there's... No. Yeah. It's he's just like, a joke in the background for yeah. the rest of it. And, like, there is a suggestion that maybe he's the author. And I was like, that's a legitimate potential mm. answer here. Like, it could be him. And it would that would feel a little unsatisfying. There was actually, I believe, between seasons one and two, there was uh, someone on the internet, because the internet, they worked out... Um, they worked out that there was probably... That Stan probably had a twin brother. How do they... What was the clues there? I, um, I'm iffy on the details. I would like to figure out but, what people were deciphering there. But, yeah, I think there was there was some stuff in promos for the upcoming season or something uh, and something leaked that was like enough to lean people to think that that's probably what's going to happen. Gotcha. And then uh, Alex Hirsch got on Twitter and uh, did some damage control where he he posted an image that, uh, yeah, he posted an image on Twitter that he was working on the mix or something like that. And in the background, you can see a monitor with an image that, that appears to suggest that McGucket is the author. Oh, it was right. a faked image that he doctored up and had put on a screen in the background. That's amazing. And so it completely threw everyone off the scent. <laughs> That's so cool. I really like that he trolled his own fan base. I love that. Yeah, just to deliberately throw people off. That's amazing. That's a very um, Hideo Kojima thing to do. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen like he his original promos for The Phantom Pain? Mm. And like were this... I I think they weren't even attributed to him. He made up a company to like... To make this game, did not say it was a Metal Gear game for the longest time. It looked like something completely different. People were like, could this... Is that what... And then... Finally, it's revealed. It's like, oh my god! And like this whole yeah. time, just been completely trolling people and leading down the garden path. Amazing stuff. I love, I love that when a creator or an author can engage with their fan base and their theorizing and stuff like that. Yeah. It's very, very satisfying yeah. and fun. Absolutely. Uh, we should move on to some of the twins, though. Dipper this season again. He's probably got a couple of main driving forces. Number one is just trying to find out who the author is. Finds out it's Stanford, and then has an instant connection with him and sort of kinship there, which was really satisfying. And over the course of the second half of the season, building it up to the point where Stanford's like, hey, you're a lot like me. I've tried to keep you at arm's length, but maybe you should come and 
like Be My Apprentice yeah. and Stay in Gravity Falls mm-hmm. was extremely well executed mm-hmm. to the point where you look at sometimes and go, how much have we been limiting the storytelling just by keeping everything a secret? Because as soon as Stanford's introduced, it's like all this narrative potential, these characters just burst from the seams. They've Absolutely, got so much yeah. to do with Dipper. Um, but I really enjoyed that. What about you? Yeah, I feel like, um, well, I, I guess they kind of, once they'd, once they'd ripped the Band-Aid off of, of revealing Stanford, mm-hmm. they kind of had to just go. Yeah. They just had to just keep releasing answers at that point because you don't really have anywhere else to go. And I think that's why it doesn't happen till about halfway through the season. It's It feels momentous when it happens because yeah. it changes the entire story. Nearly every yep. episode after that is centred or at least has Stanford in it and is centred around something to do with him as yeah. well. Yeah, it, 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 all, it all suddenly turns on the character dynamics and, mm. and their rifts and, and all that sort of thing in it. Yeah, it snowballs really quick. I wonder if they ever regretted that. I wonder if there's any part of them ever goes like the mystery was fun, but boy, it really kept us from doing more with these characters. It kept the narrative potential away. I'm not saying that makes it a bad show by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But- I, I don't know. I, I feel like up until that point, I wasn't feeling like they were low on ideas. Sure, I, not f- at all. I feel like they were definitely. Every episode has its place, with exception of that one. In season one with Mermando that I just... Mermando. <laughs> but I feel, yeah, I feel like they had, um, yeah, they they had stuff to talk about. I, I, I never felt like they were just teasing without providing any satisfactory Definitely. And they did good stuff with Seuss in particular as well. He had some fun yeah. character stuff yeah. this season, like um, him getting a girlfriend and that whole thing, mm. um, which was just another fun video games come to life episode. Yeah. Actually ripped straight out of Doki Doki Literature. Well, Doki Doki Literature Club probably ripped that off, I think. Um, and very Five, Night at Fre- Five Nights at Freddy's as well with yeah. like the, the animatronics which, coming to life. Which that episode was in production before Five Nights at Freddy's was released, yep. but came out. After five nights, oh at no! So, but everyone just sort of thought saw it as as oh, it's an homage to Five Nights at Freddy's. Sure, it's just a trope. <laughs> it is exactly right. <laughs> um, the other part of Dipper's story that's been going for a while is his infatuation with Wendy. Yeah, how did you feel about how they resolved that storyline? He's always been very into her. She's sort of been this aloof, cool chick in his life, and then. Um, but she's always been like a little, either not interested or a bit too old. Yeah, the uh, latter being the the biggest hurdle thing that should have been addressed. Um, and I'm glad they did. That's one of the things I liked about it too. Yeah, it could have been very easy, particularly I think as you start to wrap up your story. Mm. And like when she gives him the letter and stuff like that, it's like to even like hint at the idea that maybe she's into him and he should come back next year when he's a little bit older again, and maybe that'll be cool then or. Or even make it just happen on some level. Mm, mm. Because I think people would really like that. I think that it's very easy to get invested in Dipper liking Wendy. Yes. It feels authentic and real and like you understand it. It does. But they handled it in such a a nice way. I agree. Because they did it it twofold. They had Into the Bunker where um, he was... Where they had the talk about, Mm -hmm. about how he had feelings for her and why that's... Not going to work. Questionable. Yep. Um, but then they also drove that home with the time travel episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love in this In such line. a great way. It is very cool. 
Yeah. You're referring to the bit where young Wendy shows up. And yes. then I can't remember the, her friend's name. Uh, the really like goth one. And she's like, uh, she thinks you're cute. And yeah. then she's like, shut up. And they ride away. And Dipper's just like, Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's just like instantly he understands he's, he's how this understood. is not work. I thought yeah. that was very, very well it's executed. It's a really that. good way to drive that point home to the audience too. It's like, hey, <laughs> just <laughs> stop and think about things. It isn't quite right. Yeah. Um, also, the way it's still used all the way through the end, even though he's done a good job of like moving past her and like he's got that whole episode where he's be- like hitting on all the different the different girls at the um, the tourist traps and stuff like that. But then in the episode where they go into uh, Mabel's, like, reality prison thing and they're like, Wendy shows up who's into him mm. and he picks that this isn't right. Like, to yeah. be tempted with this thing he's wanted for so long and then to reject it yes, uh, was, was a really satisfying, like, moment for him as well, I thought. Absolutely. It felt really cruel that... It felt really cruel, but... but- Necessary, yes. I, like, uh, yeah. I I feel like that scene is um, that never would have made the cutting room floor. Like, it would have always been included in that episode because it's it's like the third part of the ongoing saga of their his obsession with her. Yes, yes. <laughs> they it's like hard to say like lo- romance. There is no romance there. Yeah, whatever it is they've got going on their friendship. With his complicated feelings. What about Mabel this season? How do you think they handled Mabel this season? I loved Mabel this season. I, I mean, they can't... To me, they can't really go wrong with Mabel. They, it, it's like, she's not driven by mystery the way that Dipper is because his like motivations dive right into the heart of what this show is about, right? Like mysteries and science fiction and mystic and stuff like that. She's just this like happy-go-lucky, super positive person who loves making things for her friends and like being good. The thing I was I was confused about was the fact that there are quite a lot of episodes that revolve around um, around Mabel's B plot being uh, her boy crazy nature. Yes, and yet I'm fine with that. It doesn't feel like they did it too many times to me. I think you feel again. You feel the growth though. It's like especially in episodes like the first few episodes of the first season. It feels like that's her whole thing. It's yes. just like boys, 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 boys. And then what sort of very gradually happened, if you think about it, is she ended up just making all these friends instead, mostly female friends as mm. well, and forming a bigger connection with them. And the yep. boy stuff got less and less important. Yes. Um, not to say she's not still into boys, that she's not a hopeless romantic, but without drawing specific attention to it necessarily, you feel that growth. Yes. Which I think yep. is really, really well done. But also, yeah, she's just, by season two, you're like... She's such a, a character that they've delved into enough that you're you're just like, well, yeah, go go girl. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff to talk about here. When she wants to get the she's trying to get the unicorn hair so they can protect the shack. Yeah. And like the test is, are you pure of heart? And like so to take this person who considers themselves to be extremely good and pure, and then to keep pushing back and saying, Well, you're still not pure enough. And like that identity crisis that she's happening I think you really feel that with her that she's distressed by that and then learning to maybe sometimes it's okay to be a little bit bad Mm. you know that you can beat up a unicorn (laughs) (laughs) to get its hair and sometimes that's okay Uh, yeah Uh, isn't bad the fear of like growing up yeah um, and the idea of leaving Gravity Falls 
mm-hmm. at all, I think is really well um, delved into as well. But and the to me, the best thing they do with her is that episode of her, like Mabel's reality bubble. It's yeah. such a brilliant illustration of like her personality and also her insecurity. And for a long time, I thought it was going to be my, I, yeah, I've tossed around it being my favorite episode of the season because it is just drenched in personality and in character for yeah. Mabel and like yep. meaning. Yep. Um, and the symbolism of, of literally being trapped in a in your own bubble. Absolutely. It's it's a perfectly executed idea for an episode, I think. Yep. Um, and a perfect Mabel episode. I was like, because again, I think sometimes as much as Mabel is one of my favorite characters in terms of Christian Shaw is doing a fantastic job with the, the voice work and she's really funny and just mm. like a goofball and enjoyable to be around. She doesn't drive the plot forward the same way that Dipper's stuff does because Dipper's so entrenched in the mysteries and Stanford and stuff like that. So to just give her a moment, just go, well, this is Mabel's episode mm. um, and we just get to spend a bunch of time with her and her world. I was just like, thank you very much for that. I yeah. thought that was really satisfying. I actually, the first time I watched the finale, that one, that episode of the three was my least favourite. I can understand that because it takes you away from what's happening in well, the beginning. To, to me, uh, on first viewing, I thought it, it just felt um, like fan servicey, sort of not sure. fan servicey, but, you know, like like it, it was just indulgent. kind of like, yeah, a little indulgent. But I do not feel that way at all anymore. Like even second watching, I was I was like, I get what they're doing here now. This mm-hmm. is this is important. This is This is part of the finale and it should be. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's that. It's, it's not forgetting to do the character work, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it's satisfying, like the weird, like you can just dive into Bill and have Bill's weird shit going on and they're trying to like build mecha, you know, mystery shacks and stuff like that, which are fun to do, but you got to have the character work done here. You got to have. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, and that, they not only do it, they they focus on it here. Mm, and I think mm. that's what's so satisfying about it for me. Yeah. It's not like it's it's not necessarily doing a whole it's original necessarily either. And this is something as well that I always appreciate in a show like this. It's got lots of original ideas from episode to episode in terms of like major golf course people, you mm. know, who is sort of doing a Gulliver's travel slash, I don't know, war allegory thing going on or whatever you want it to be. Mm. Like lots of fun aliens and ghosts and stuff like that. But sometimes you just need to do the basic stuff right. And that is just spending the time to like have a court case where someone has to decide whether they're leaving a bubble or not. That's not super original, you know? You know, no. the cat... Judge is original. Absolutely. The court is meow in session. Hilarious. <laughs> but the John Stewart doing John the voice. John Stewart doing the voice. Amazing. Um, but it doesn't forget to do that 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 work. And sometimes yeah. sometimes shows do. Sometimes shows think that the weirdness is enough. And no, no, this was this was this, this was, was a, good stuff. a really good character exploration that was well overdue, in my opinion. Um there was just... I just remembered as well, we are talking about McGucket earlier. I think it was that episode that reminded me the most... It reminded me of an episode of Adventure Time that I love. Yes. I don't know how much Adventure Time you've seen. Have you seen much? I've seen most of it. Have you seen the episode where Marceline goes over... No, uh, Ice King. Ice King? I haven't watched much of this show. Goes over to Marceline's place and they sing that song, they find the letters or whatever it yep. is. Fuck. That... 
That's an episode that will make me cry every time mm-hmm. I watch it. And the McGucket stuff reminded me of that. And again, it's because that show's yep. doing it too. It's full of weird and original ideas. Doesn't forget to do the character work. There's actually, yeah, there's a, there's a big sort of emotional parallel to to Ice King's story there mm-hmm. um, with McGucket. It's, yeah. I like the mystery twins at the, oh, sorry, no, a Mabel, a moment I did want to talk about though that I thought was a little bit weak because it's sort of the whole plot hinges on this. And I didn't necessarily buy it that the payoff's good enough that I'll forgive it. Is Mabel giving the rift to, uh, well, it's not Bill because Bill, but it's Bill using, what's the name of the character? Gideon. Gideon, thank you. Yeah. The the rift. And no, it's it's Blandon, isn't it? It's Blandon, Blandon. Blandon, Blandon, thank you. Giving Blandon, Blandon the rift. And it was just... It made her feel a little bit dumb in a way that I don't think Mabel is, yeah. if that makes sense. She was yeah. very easily manipulated. And I understand she was in a weak moment, like she was in an emotional place. She'd had this big fight with Dipper yeah. and stuff. But it's not the place to have a lapse in judgment like it, that. It just felt like, oh, they really had to make Mabel be really, really dumb in this moment for this yeah. to work. Yeah. Uh, dumb is a bit cruel. They had to make her make a very big mistake here mm. in a way that felt a little weak for Mabel, I thought. Mm-hmm. But that was just me. I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, I do. I do. Yeah. But over, but again, they they paid it off, mm. and particularly because the fight between Dipper and uh, Mabel is a perfect reflection of what's happening with Stan and Ford, which I really appreciate as yeah. well. The parallels in their story, yep. because it builds in to our fantastic season finale, mm. um, and what happens there. Uh, so, first of all, Bill Cipher. Is just a fucking great villain. Absolutely. Yeah. I think first and foremost, I just love his design. Like, he's just a triangle with arms and one eye. But they have so much fun and fill him with such personality in the way they animate him. Yes. Like, there is something inherently scary about this, like, trickster demon thing. Yeah. And I think think actually the reason that I really like him as a villain is because he is absolute chaos. Like yes. he, there is no rhyme or reason to why he is like he is. He just is. Mm-hmm. And that's terrifying. There's no motivation really other than trying to get into the real world. But then what's the means to an end there? Like he's just well, his whole he's thing moving is- into the real world to do exactly the same thing, just chaos. Just chaos, just to party apparently, just to like... I, I think there's a sense of, like, he feels imprisoned in his world, right? He was stuck mm. in the second dimension. He comes into contact with our world. Yeah. He wants to be a part of that, not stuck here. But the way he's introduced in season one as just, like, a single... Ep- it feels like just a single episode villain. Yeah. Um, to then return for the puppet episode where he's perfectly creepy again when he's possessing Dipper, which I really loved mm. as well. And, like, all the ways he's, like, deliberately hurting his body. Yeah, just... But it's, it's really like traumatized if you think about it. Just trying to be human. Just just trying to be human. Yeah. But I also love they set up a lot of Bill's limitations in that episode. Yep. Like he things are different when he is in a physical body. Or he is limited in what he can do when he's in the mindscape versus when he is in a body versus when he's in reality. They yeah. set up the rules really well this season. Yeah. And the individual parts that come to play by the end. In fact, one of the things I love about the ending in general is that they they show you this prophecy thing, right? This idea that 
they introduce almost at the last second. Like Ford's like, I saw this thing on the wall. We know he'd he'd seen some stuff of Bill back then, and that all these symbols didn't make sense to me, but now they do. And we're all going to stand in a circle and we're going to defeat Bill. And it's like, oh, okay, I can kind of get on board with this because I guess there's a lot of people from Gravity Falls, all the people we care about, and then they don't do that. Yeah, they step away and go. That's not how we're going to resolve this <laughs> because that is not cool and hasn't been earned at all and we can do this in a way cleverer way yeah it's very satisfying to me yeah i yeah i almost feel like that's one of those things where that wasn't planned from the beginning i feel like the circle thing the the circle thing wasn't i'm you know i don't think that was planned i don't think so no but that's because that's why kind of why i love it though because there are shows i think that can introduce elements like that at the last minute to get to an ending that's... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They need something. They it's need like, to somehow tie it up. And, like, it wasn't the worst thing ever because you got, like, um, Robbie does have the broken heart thing. Yes. And, like, yeah, a yeah. lot of people do seem to wear symbols here. Yeah. It's, like... But though then they start going, it's, like, who, what's the, the ice? Yeah. And it's, like, oh, it doesn't have to be literal. That's just someone who's super cool. That's yeah. Wendy. It's, like, uh, stretching this a yeah. little bit now. Yeah, they lost me at the the sh- the jumper with the llama on it, of which they just given to Pacifica, Pacifica yep. like earlier that episode or whatever yeah. it was. But again, that's why that's, it was always a red herring. Absolutely, right? yeah, yeah. That's I I like that they've put the red herring in exactly the same episode that they actually give you. It's almost <laughs> give a com- you the satisfying ending. There are arguments to be made that Avatar: The Last Airbender has a bit of a similar problem it sort of introduces a new element late that helps to resolve thematically i think it's very strong but avatar I've... is another one of those shows that that really it's clear that it's it has a strength because of the fact that they had a plan from the beginning but yet there's still an element a world saving element that gets introduced in the finale yeah right yep. whereas this show does it teases you with it <laughs> takes it back and then says, no, here's this other thing, this yep. better way that we've been building up to all season you just didn't realise. Yeah. Yep. Um, which is extremely compelling. And that, of course, is that Stan... I was lit... I wrote in my notes. I was like, Stan sucks this episode. Like, <laughs> boy, he sucks. And I was, like, he keeps complaining, complaining, complaining. I'm like, I know they're doing this on purpose, but boy, Stan's a Debbie Downer at the moment. Um, I've kind of felt that way about him all show yeah. to some degree. He yeah. feels just like on the outer. He doesn't belong here and he's just... And then to have him make that ultimate sacrifice and to do the swap with Ford, of which I did go back and double check and definitely the six fingers and the five fingers was a thing. Yeah. And then to let Bill into his mind and then let them trap him in there and then erase his memories and erase Bill in the process was very fucking cool. Mm. I don't know how yeah. you felt when that happened. I... Yeah, no, I was I was very satisfied with that. That was I didn't see it coming. Nope. But when it came, I wasn't like, well, they've just pulled that out of nowhere. It's like very satisfying in the sense that it's like, I didn't see it coming, but I should have. Well, I don't think you could ever predict it, right? But you could, but the element because the breadcrumbs were laid over multiple episodes. Yeah, like I don't yep. think the idea of beating Bill that way was ever there, though. The thing they kept saying in retrospect, which makes sense, is Bill and uh, sorry, um, Dipper and Mabel kept saying, "We've been before; we can do it again." And a lot of how they beat him last time was when he was stuck in Dipper's body, and then like the limitations that come from that. Yes, yep. and so using that and the and the mind erase 
Gunn has been there since like episode three or four of this season mm. and keeps showing up over and over and over again. It's like it's kind of Chekhov's gun in a way, except that yeah. it gets used multiple times anyway. So you don't necessarily see they going, when are they going to use it? When are they going to use it? Yeah. It's just we found another way to use it that you weren't thinking about necessarily. Yeah. Yep. Very, yep. very clever. I loved it. And emotionally affecting when Stan, who for all intents and purposes does really care about the twins at least, if mm. not his brother, well, obviously his brother as well, because he spent 30 years trying to get him back, um, can't remember them. And it's so sad that. Yeah. How'd you feel with that? I mean, that was that was a punch to the guts for sure. But I... Okay, th- this is the only major criticism I'm I have. Agree. I'm going to agree with you what you're about yeah. to say. I know what you're about to say. I'm going to agree with you. Go on. How quickly he got his memory back. 100%. And the fact that he got his memory back. 100% agree with you. I don't... There's nothing in there that explains that. Mm-mm. There's nothing... As, I don't know. Maybe there's something in the journal that they released, but that's not. That's a bit of a cop out if you have to rely on exterior, an exterior product that you have to purchase in order to justify an ending. And I don't even know if that's the case. It just feels like they. I don't know. It, it's emotionally unsatisfying to get you to this because I'm a big believer in like bittersweet endings, right? Mm. So this is a perfect ending for Stan Mm. to have to... Someone who, you know, he's not willing to put himself out there most of the time. He's not the hero to make this move, to willingly sacrifice his memories of the ones he loves to save them, Mm. Mm. um, to finally be able to repay sort of what happened with Ford. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, that absolutely, that, that... That hits. And it hits, <laughs> properly hits. So, really, when yeah. you take it back and the price didn't end up being the price, mm. you undermine the power of that ending. Absolutely, yeah. That's the problem. And there are shows that have, there are shows and movies that have done this. This reminds me a lot of Wally, the ending of Wally. Mm. Though in Wally, spoilers for Wally, Wally gets his memories back, but it's a little more satisfying. Um, because I think it's always hinged on like him falling in love with Eve, right? It's like you want that to happen desperately. Mm. <clears throat> We've he was he was searching for that. He almost had it, loses it, and he's allowed to get it back. Stan was never necessarily search like this was what he was after the whole time was to be able to redeem himself, mm. and this was how he redeemed himself. So to give him his memories back again, it just sort of takes away the power of that moment, and that says. Yeah. Unfortunate, and it doesn't it doesn't gel with like because why doesn't McGucket remember yes. certain elements of his past? Well, he it sounds like he was getting some of it back, but it was a long process. Like because it that, wasn't five minutes. It wasn't five minutes. Yeah. and like I kept thinking to myself, how else could you? I like, I would have been perfectly happy. He just couldn't remember it all, right? Like mm. he just that was it. He yep. just they had to start building completely new memories with him, and so like, you could have done this two ways. You could have had him just start to remember a little bit. And mm. like I was thinking when they're in the they're showing him the photo album, right? Mm. And they're or, or Mabel's photo album, they're going through, it was like, just leave it here. Stop right now. This is the ending. Yeah. But then they keep going and then he gives the like and these are moments that I don't dislike, but he gives the shack to Seuss and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And he's just stand back. 
Yes. It's like, oh, we didn't we didn't lose Stan. Yeah. It was just a temporary glitch. It was a pause. Yeah. Um, whereas if you'd gone, he will get his memories back, but it's going to take some time, mm. you know, and we just left the, it there. Yeah. Just the illusion that he may be getting his memories back. Exactly. Would be fine. That would have been enough. Or I kept thinking if he just didn't have his memories back, but he decided to go with Ford on their expedition and the idea that while they're away, they were going to reconnect. Maybe he would start to get his memories back slowly then, or at least mm. reform the connection he had with his brother that he's lost for 30 years. Yeah. Like that would have been satisfying because he would have traded one thing for another. Yep. Yeah. So I'm with you. It's yeah. it, it's disappointing. It's, it's disappointing. It's also a tricky thing to assume that that they could have pulled it off the other way too, I think, though, because the more I think about it, like, how do you have your goodbye with Mabel and Dipper if you he hasn't got any memory find of a way to have him had it earlier, like a letter or something like that. You find a way to have him... Um, maybe have made a recording or left a message with Ford. There's something else there, mm. right? They're, they've been so good at introducing elements throughout the season that would then eventually lead to like this moment. There yeah. are, I think there are ways. Yeah. And yeah. it's it's re- it's like you said, it's really easy to criticize on the outside and go, you should have done this. You should have done this. I don't want to do that. But I think, I feel like what's happened here is they Maybe they wanted to keep him without his memories, but they felt like because of the age that this is aimed at in a lot of senses, they didn't want mm. to leave like given, it that sad. Given the logic of of how things play out in the rest of the series, it does it it feels jarring for multiple reasons. Not just that it's happening so quickly, but it's just not thematically the same as the other things like that that they do throughout the the series. So, I think that's it. Yeah. It's, it's a it's, show that is happy to be dark and melancholy at times. Mm. Like Seuss's dad's stuff. Like, yes, it's sweet that he, he you know, he's happy that he's got his family with the Pineses. Yeah. But like, there's no resolution for his dad. Yeah. And there shouldn't be because no. that's not how, that's not the reality that's of this. Life. That's yeah. not life. Yeah. Um, and so... I feel like most of the time it's willing to go there and it's weird that it decides to flinch at the end here a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. There's another um, graphically disturbing moment where Pacificus father has all of the... Orifices <laughs> switch around? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. That's a, that's a perfect example of that, like... Awful, like Lovecraftian horror element that this show has on a Disney TV show. That's like, think about far that. Far more a horrific than than you know hacking someone open and blood coming out. It it's, is. It's oh my! And this this the muffled scream that he gives when that happens is just oh yeah, that sits with you. I've got some side notes. <laughs> I'm looking at these, and these are mainly just quotes or like. <laughs> Things I loved. Mm. So, if you've got stuff to throw in here, please do. Sure. I hate it when shows start doing shortened openings because I love Mm. the theme song so much. Mm -hmm. So, when they start having the shortened openings, I'm just like, no, don't do this. Give me the whole thing. (laughs) Who cares if it runs a couple of seconds long? But I love the alternate titles during Weird Mageddon. Absolutely. That is so cool. When we were watching season one and you said that the opening titles of this show are something I never skip. Yeah. I was just quietly thinking, good. Good, keep <laughs> at it. <laughs> I really love that. So, who was in this season uh, cameo-wise? Nick Offerman, Mark Hamill, Patton Oswald, Jim Cummings, Nathan Fillion, Neil deGrasse Tyson, J.K. Simmons, mm. 
I love him as a voice actor, by the way. He's doing so like between this yeah. and Cora. I just love his. He voice. did an amazing job as as the young version of himself. Yes, too. he did. I was impressed mm. by that too because it was obviously J.K. Simmons just like pitching up his voice. Yeah. But he did a really good job of yeah. it. Uh, Jonathan Banks, Weird Al Yankovic, John Stewart as Judge Kitty Kitty Meow Meow Face Schwartzstein, <laughs> uh, and the best one of all, which I didn't realize until I watched the closing credits, Kyle McLaughlin as the bus driver. So oh, what? Did you I not know that? No, I didn't know that. So, we couldn't... You were saying that originally he was hoping to get um, David Lynch as, as Bill, Bill Cipher, Cipher yeah. which would have been a real big ask because Bill had so much to do. Yeah. So, getting Kyle McLaughlin to be the, the bus the driver bus is pretty driver. cool. I like that. There was a bit in the opening as well. I was watching the credits and Nick Offerman was credited as Key Viganere. Did you notice this? No. So, his character... So that it's it's a it's a cipher thing, right? Mm-hmm. It was I think it might have been a clue to whatever the code was in that oh, one. Right. But he yeah. wasn't credited as Nick Offerman in that first episode. Uh, okay. Which I thought was really interesting. So mm-hmm. they were already like people must have gone or they must have gone when they were doing it. They'll re- everyone will recognize his voice. So when they say it's not him, they'll know that's a clue to something else. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, some of my favorite quotes. Pacific is rich Mabel, she's cheating at life. I also just thought the way that Pacifica's dad rings that bell to like getting her to shut up is yeah. so brutal. Yeah. Instantly, I cared just a, a little bit about Pacifica. Mm-hmm. Sacre boo! Might be one of my favorite lines in the whole season. <laughs> uh, the bit where the claymation monster is reading the news about how C- claymation's dead and CG's the new thing. It's like, no, where's the heart? <laughs> Uh, on the used to be used to be about History Channel, that was good. Oh yes, yeah. only a game designed by nerds would have charisma as a fantasy power. Well, yep, called out. Uh, I hope this all lines my fanfic. We talked about that, right? Yep. Hey, look, listen from the fairy that he dipper slaps. <laughs> yes. I was like, that was like right in the nostalgia as well. The bit where Tyler Cute Biker becomes mayor is just got it, <laughs> got it, <laughs> got it. That is payoff. That is an arc right there. He earned that. He did earn that. And there's so he gets so many moments, like little the young version of him yeah, with his mum and stuff yeah. in the shack and things. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, shuffle the functions of every hole in your face. That was mm. a big one. Uh, the bit in the... When they do the mini golf one, and there's the whole bit about Big Henry, and he has to like... I can't remember what he's like. He has to push the cart through whatever, like and in, in the minor hole. Do you remember that bit? He's like, they need to get like the ball through it. And it's like, we can't go through. There's been a gas leak. It's going to die. He's like, I'll do it. And Big Henry That's pushes right. it all the way to the end and then dies. It's like, oh, that was genuinely sad. <laughs> what a great little gag. Seuss's grandpa didn't get into heaven, apparently. <laughs> Seuss's grandma's like, you're going to see him in heaven? He's like, no, he's not there. <laughs> I love the food stall uh, at the mall, which is called Meat Cute. Yes. That was wonderful. Meat Cute, yep. Um, when Rumble goes down, when he's at the very end of what he began, he puts the thumbs up, yep. just like the Terminator 2. Very good. Also, wonderful sprite work done again. Um, mm. And finally, the Hand Witch, <laughs> who is obviously played by Matt Chapman, doing some very Teen Girl Squad yes. voice stuff. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that as well. <laughs> Any Homestar runner reference is good. Did you have any favourite moments or quotes or lines or anything like that? Um, look, a- again, I-, I would love a spin-off of Duck Detective. Duck Detective. Um, 
I think that's the only show of their fake shows that I would sit down and watch. Yeah. Because I'm not interested in watching an episode, a full episode of Baby Fights. <laughs> this, that's a joke that shows up a lot about making kids fight and watching it for entertainment. I just think Arrested of like Arrested Development. Development. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Filming children fighting and like <laughs> profiting off that. What's your favorite, no, least favorite episode first, please, Lucas? What's your yeah. least favorite episode of season two? All right. I. I found this tricky. Mm. Initially, my thought was to go with episode 13, Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons. Sure. Um, Like, I love me some Weird Al Yankovic, but Mm -hmm. Community set the bar pretty high for bringing Dungeons and Dragons concepts to screen. That's true. And I thought, actually, there's a couple of episodes this season I was like, did Community do this first? Mm. There was the election one as well with, like, Becoming Mayor, and I was like... Boy, this reminds me of season two and three of Community a lot. But sorry, go on. I digress. <laughs> yeah, no, I community th- to me. yeah. Well, that's exactly it. I, I just felt like also most episodes have sort of had elements that play around fantasy concepts, mm-hmm. and this one was just what if D and D, but it comes alive, and not that, a really great representation of D and D. No, that's the bit that I was a bit disappointed pretty, with. It's yeah. like why the community one works is because it feels faithful to the source material. Absolutely. So yeah. you can make fun of it, but enjoy it at the same time. And it feels like a love letter, whereas this one was just sort mm. of like, this isn't D&D at all. Yeah, and I get that the episode's about bringing Ford and Dipper closer together, but yeah. I feel like maybe they could have been a better... Like, it's not like... Surely Dungeons & Dragons is not the only common ground that those two have. Personality-wise, they sort of orbit each other sure. pretty closely as it is. I'm, I'm sure they could have come up with another way. They teased that I'm... Jumanji episode and they didn't do it, so... <laughs> <laughs> could have done that. But that's not the one I ended up going with for my least favourite. My least favourite was the mini golf one. Oh, that was in one of my favourite oh, episodes. Oh, really? That was in like my highest selection. Go on. Okay. Well, I just felt like, because uh, for me, the, the the crux of that one was, it was about Pacifica. Yes. To me. And, and Mabel, to and some I, degree. Yeah. And I feel like Pacifica's had a few episodes where she sort of learns to be good quote unquote. Sure. Um and ultimately ends up back at square one the next time you see her. Mm-hmm. Um I think the 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 Northwest Mansion one was a far better vehicle for her character actually growing and learning. Yeah. And I just felt that like I appreciate Pat Oswalt's work, mm-hmm. but it didn't really save that episode for me. I yeah, I think the bit that I enjoyed about that, for some reason, I was getting a real kick out of, like, just the goofiness of the idea of miniature golf ball people and, like, <laughs> the, the warring, like, themes that they've got for each hole. Yeah. It worked on me, but I totally understand what you're saying. It is a bit of a... Especially at that point in the season as well, It it's before the Ford stuff happens mm-hmm. and you're, like kind of waiting to get to the crux of it. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, uh, meet your golf. Okay, this is this is what we're doing now. <laughs> sure. My least favorite episode was episode nine, The Love God. Ah, uh, okay. That just felt really like inconsequential, that episode to me. Yeah. Like, what's it about ultimately? It's about Mabel trying to get Robbie and mm. someone else together. And I don't know. I just kind of got to the end of the episode and went, 
Yeah, and the stand stuff in that episode was pretty meh to me as well. Like that was, it was definitely also one of my contenders for sure. <laughs> for least for I literally wrote two notes. It was all felt really inconsequential. The stand bit of the episode was super meh. That's like that's uh-huh. how literally I wrote a lot this season. Yep. and this was like a nothing episode for me. What was your favorite episode? My favorite is it cheating to say Weird Mageddon? Because no, not at all. Do you mean to do the whole four yeah, episode part? Yeah. You can say that. It's fine. I'll allow it. Yeah, because I. Except they released months apart, but sure. Sure. <laughs> well, I didn't watch them months that's apart, true, all right? That's true, that's um, true. Yeah, look, for, for me, the reason for that is that obviously it's a good finale, but I can't think of a season finale or a series finale for a show that I've been more satisfied with. It, it feels totally. really well paced. Um, and it also... It also does this thing of managing to roll call basically every character in the yep. town without it feeling forced. Like yep. it, it gives them all a good send off. And I think there was uh, Alex Hirsch has has said that with writing the pilot for the show, um, it's it's the trickiest job because you've got to make people fall in love with these characters. Mm-hmm. And the second hardest thing is writing the finale of the show because now that you're together, you've got to break up. And breaking up's not easy. Yeah. But it feels like you get to the end of that finale and it you get closure mm-hmm. in a way that I think a lot of TV shows don't pace as well or, I don't know, they just they just miss the mark somehow. And this one just... Captured it perfectly for me. I uh, I agree. As a finale, it worked extremely well in terms of there's enough build up to it. You it gets to explore a really cool scenario in terms of weird again, and there's lots of f- like weird jokes and stuff in there. Mm. Um, truly like as we said, existential horror like moments to it, like great imagery, like there's fist pumping moments, but there's also the proper emotional moments. I think we yeah we both agree about the stand stuff maybe didn't quite go the whole way where it could have. But overall, even when if you just take that out and then like have the wrap up with giving the shack to Seuss to look after under new management or whatever and having the brothers go off and sail away and then getting them on the bus. Yeah. And, you know, getting the letter from even the end credits, like mm. it understood what made the show special and that people were attached to it and did a good job of like as you said, just feeling full, feeling satisfied by the end of it, not feeling like there were too many dangling threads left. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's it's it doesn't feel rushed. It feels appropriate and like it's very, very hard to do, especially when you build yourself up around mysteries. Yes. Like, yeah, that's really, really important that when you 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 were saying, I think when we first discussed season one, that was one of the things that you felt really compelled or, or that you really enjoyed about it. it is a mystery show that actually pays off in a satisfying way mm. and it totally does it's mm. a great example of that um and it yeah no it makes you want to rewatch it and you feel full at the end of it yeah it's it's very cool i agree with that if if you'd have said that it wasn't fair to choose the finale as my favorite episode sure uh, you can probably guess what the other one is actually it's um not what he seems that's my favorite episode yeah and it's because it felt momentous. Mm. It was like we've been building and building and building and it, it's teasing and teasing you. It knows what it's doing. It's stringing you along. Yeah. But 
It's doing it to make that moment feel as big as it does. Yeah. And most importantly, I think this is the bit that really sells it for me, is that moment when the twins are fighting with Stan to turn the machine off. Yeah. Like, is full of confusion and emotion and it's momentous, not just because it's like, answer the mystery, it's because it puts a massive wedge between the twins and Stan in that moment. Yeah. And that moment where Mabel goes, I trust you and puts her hands up in the air and it's like, it's- They've done something there that is just, yeah, it's so powerful. It is really powerful and it's got to do with- Everything that's built up to that moment throughout the episode, throughout the, the season and a half at that point. And also, it's animated in such a way. They just... I don't know whether they just threw m- more money at that episode or whatever it was, but it feels the biggest the show has ever been. Mm. It feels momentous. Yeah. And it, it has achieved perfectly. Even that moment, like, Stanford walks out and he's like, this is my twin brother. And you see he's got the six fingers. And you're like, getting answers, but you're still not getting answers yet. Yeah, it's yeah. like... You just know we're gonna we're gonna yeah. get an explanation, and it's then that also, moment in the credits sorry. where it's just the kids on the swing, the two yeah. boys. And it's like it understands that this is meaningful. Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just gonna say the I think that that like the pacing of that episode is just um, the way that they go about jumping between the the you know the interrogation with mm-hmm. with Stan and the kids mm-hmm. and. Um, it it like the stakes just get higher and higher throughout the episode, but you're also sitting there going, you're, you're second guessing, like you're siding with Dipper and Mabel at Absolutely. various different points, and you're like, well, this legitimately looks like he cannot be trusted. Yeah, he's they really make you person. question Stan a lot when they're going through and they're seeing like the the different um, fake IDs and stuff he has, or mm. the car crash, yeah. and like. Who the fuck is this guy? Mm. And then I think the bit for me that's really successful is when he's saying like, you know, don't believe what they're saying is they're taking him off. It's like, yeah. I didn't steal the radioactive waste or whatever it is. And it's like, but you did. <laughs> like you are blatantly lying to our faces. This yeah. isn't questionable. Yeah. You just like, why would we trust you when you keep lying to us? And you have to sit there and go like, you don't want Mabel to press the button. But you're like, but maybe you should. Yeah. I don't know right now. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, I think that's that's another reason that that moment and the time they give it to breathe in that moment is is such a tense and impacting thing. It's, yeah. it's like, I don't know what I'd do in that situation either. And more often than not, I feel like whenever there's a timer, right, and there's literally a timer counting yeah. down, yeah. it normally ends with someone presses a button, right? Um, That's normally yeah. the thing that happens. It's wherever that might be, and it's normally stopping something, mm. normally gets pressed. So to make the decision to go hands up in the air, I'm mm. not going to do it. And yeah. it's not that they just missed it. It's not that they were just too late. She was in the vicinity and she goes, all right. I trust you. Yeah, feels massive. Yeah, because it's a choice. It's a choice to not do something. It's a choice to trust some, to trust in her uncle or a grunkle. I, I just I'm so blown away by how effective that was. Mm. I was just like, this is this really sold me on why you love this show so much. In that moment, I was like, this is cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, normally we do predictions, hopes, concerns. At this point, mm. I kind of wanted to ask first and foremost: Would you like more Gravity Falls? Uh, it's a yes and no answer. Yeah. Because I, as it is, no. 
As it is, I think Gravity Falls is is self-contained and and I like it as a series. Would I like something similar to it from the same people? Mm. Yeah. I I I want to see more projects from that team. Yep. Isn't he? I thought Alex Hirsch was doing stuff with Netflix. But we haven't seen any of it yet. Apparently, he's got a deal with Netflix. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's he has a deal with Netflix, but I he don't think we've seen anything of that. Yeah, no, he hasn't. Nothing's come forward yet, but hopefully, it's. So you'd like to see more from Alex Hirsch in that team, but not Gravity Falls. No, because I think I think the ending to that is is really nice. They tied everything up in a way that I, I wish them all the best. The people of Gravity Falls. Good on you, but <laughs> I don't think I need, uh, yeah, anything more. There'd have to be a really compelling story. I guess Bill Cipher could come back because the memories have come back in Stan's head, but I don't know. Does that feel? I don't. I, I, I struggle with this as well because there's, yeah, there's the part of you just goes, I want more because I like it. It's like mm. I want more of the thing I like. I'm trying to think of like shows that have come back successfully. Like the ones that come to mind straight away is like Futurama. And I don't think that did come back successfully. I think when it was originally cancelled, as heartbreaking as that was, as much as it felt like they still had more to do, when they did those movies that were also designed to be split into episodes and then when they eventually came back as proper seasons, it was never quite the same. It just never really it was missing something subconsciously I think that's that's part of the reason that I'd be reluctant to see them do anymore sure because so many shows have come back but Mm. haven't the (laughs) alternate version of that is is Twin Peaks which yes I don't even love the original Twin Peaks Mm. I freaking adored season three I loved Twin Peaks the return like fully loved it to the point where I really want a season four and like trust that if Lynch is going to do more, he'll do it because he has a reason to do it. And yeah. He has a compelling story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't but know. But that's part of it as well, isn't it? Was the Twin Peaks was that uh, was that planned to come back? Because not really. I mean, I there, mean was the, there was there was there the was see you in see you in thirty years or whatever it was. Years, yeah. And it's like. Yes, that's in there. Yeah. Like, you can use that as, like, evidence that was planned to happen. But there's no guarantees that you're going to get a season three. Sure. You know, that's like, you can say it was planned, but... 30 years gives you a but, long time to And season to three is so different from what season one and two are. Yep. Um, that that's part of the reason. Like, it's almost like I wonder whether you could do more of a spin-off of Gravity Falls. Like That I'd, I'd be open to. Like, make it more of a globe-trotting sort of scenario. Yeah. Um, take it out of, like, push into the future a bit more. Mm. Maybe Dipper and Mabel have grown up. These characters have grown up. And, like, go from there. Mm. Tell a different story. Um, but set in the same sort of universe. Maybe. Maybe even different characters that just ties into the rest of it. I don't know. Well, Hirsch released a graphic novel last year called... The Lost Legends, which is a Gravity Falls... Like, like episodes that were like not shown or whatever yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. You can always do that sort of stuff. You can do that. And that's fine. I haven't looked at it. I sure. don't know if it's any good. Um, I'm not particularly, you know, champing at the bit to, to see those adventures, really. The way I see it as well is if it comes back and it's no good, just ignore it. It didn't happen. Yeah, that's true. And this is the thing I need to keep getting over as well. It's this idea that like... I need to be so precious about things that it's going to like ruin it if it comes back. It won't. Mm. It's okay. Just it, it's successful same- in itself and it will always be that. And if you yeah. don't like it, just ignore it. 
But at the same time, why keep keep coming back to the same thing? If like, there's something not? that's worth telling, I don't know. I, yeah, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah. Like, if they've got other stuff to do, go and do that. Like, mm. I'd be excited to see whatever's next. Mm. But you do form an affinity with these characters, and I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's true. It's a, that's it's true. a tricky question. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that you think? was still left unsolved or are there dangling threads for you that if there was a season three, you'd like to be addressed? Not, not, not a huge thing, mm. but there was one loose thread that I, I don't think anyone else would have even noticed. Sure. But, but I sort of jotted it down in my mind as a thing that was clearly going to be addressed at some point and never was. Mm. And it was when they were given the president's key. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten never all about that. Never came back. They never used the president's key. Hmm. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? I but that's, that... I mean, that's not a story in itself that should be told. No, 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 no. It's just an element. What? I'm trying to remember. I remember they well, the episode they got it in, but it's like, was there set up at all to that? What that was going to do? Or It was just they could open anything. Open anything, yeah. It feels like just something like, maybe it's a bit of like an Alohomora thing. It's like you introduce it and you go, we shouldn't introduce that because that breaks the world. Yeah. Like, maybe let's forget about that ever happening because yeah. <laughs> that just destroys a bit our ability to like keep people out of things. Like quite possibly, yeah. Put up barriers. We don't need that here. Because yeah. Lohamora is an OP spell in Harry Potter. They should never have introduced it. It's a terrible idea. What were you thinking, JK? <laughs> so I don't know whether you watched right to the you would have watched right to the end of the last episode. The very, very end where they show like the in real life, real life Bill, Bill statue. Bill statue. Mm-hmm. So that was that was at the end of the episode, and then quite a few months passed after the show aired. Yes. After the finale aired. And then um, basically the that was hinting at something further to come. Sure. It was definitely leaving the door open if there was going to be more. Uh, yeah. And, and a lot of people speculated, well, that combined with the whole see you next summer suggests that maybe there'll be another season, season at some point. Yeah. Um, but in fact, that was that was kind of a teaser toward a giant cipher hunt that um, that that Alex Hirsch put together, sure, of his own accord. It was That's nothing to do so with Disney, cool. but it was like a, a final thank you to the fans. He he put together this huge, big sort of cipher treasure hunt thing, yeah, a, an ARG type thing in the real world where I love people had to work in you know go to various different countries and find that's so cool like a usb stick embedded in a bolt in in a wall or in a like a like yeah oh locked God. away in enclosures and stuff it led them to can you imagine being a part of that like can you imagine being oh, the guy that like opened the bolt and found the usb and yeah. just like holy fuck and so then the, you, you like put that in a computer and you have to decrypt some files and then that turns into a, a sound file that you listen to. Yep. And it's got Grunkle Stan giving the next clue to the, <sighs> the cipher and then uh, that leading to another country. They ended up, it led them to um, a post box where they had to solve another thing to find a key that would open that post box. When they opened the post box, there was a 2,000-piece jigsaw puzzle in there, <laughs> um, which was a, it was a giant jigsaw of, of Bill's cipher. Yep. So most of the pieces were just plain yellow. Yeah. It took them days to solve. <laughs> um, Jason Ritter, who's the voice of um, Dipper, yeah. sort of 
jumped in at a certain point and was trying to help people solve the thing because he was excited about what was going so on as cool. well. He had nothing to do with it. He was just along for the ride. Um, and it went on for quite a long time and eventually led some people to the coordinates of the giant Bill Cipher statue. Yeah, that's um, so cool. Which um, then ended up being put up in... Uh, there's there's like a tourist trap style place which was apparently the uh, the inspiration of uh, mystery the mystery shack, shack. Um, and they ended up the murder the, hut. They moved it to that. Yeah, they moved it to the murder hut. <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's it's apparently yeah, it's still on display there. That's so people cool. To go and visit. I would love to find out where that is. That'd be very cool mm. to see that. And so that's meant to be like because at the end of that episode, he goes into Stan, leaves behind like this stone body. Yeah. And that's the, uh, and they've actually made that in real life, and that's yeah, that's so yeah. fucking cool. He got it commissioned out of his own pocket and set up this huge cipher hunt all over the world. That is really cool. It's hard not to respect someone who's just having that much fun mm. and is willing to dedicate that much energy to something like that. For you know, it's probably more than a handful of fans, but if, you know, only so many people are really going to engage with for that sure, that yeah. heavily. But yep. boy, they would have been super into it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, thank you, Lucas, very much for coming on to Hunting Seasons to talk about Gravity Falls. I'm glad you shared this with me. Very, very glad you shared this with me. And I'm glad we got to share it with our listeners. And I hope they go and check it out. Um, Yeah. I think it's all in the correct order on Disney Plus, as opposed to when I first started watching on Foxtel. And and there's also, it's, it's not included within the Gravity Falls section on Disney Plus, but if you search for it separately, there are a bunch of shorts Oh, the shorts aired, are on there. They, they aired, yeah. So they, I think I don't know how you find them though. Oh, I haven't watched those yet. I'll have to go and check them out. Check the internet; they'll tell you how to get to the shorts. Do some searching; you'll but, find uh, it. They're, they're quite entertaining on their own. Excellent. If there's ever any more Gravity Falls, I'll be sure to get you back on the podcast to talk about that more. Thank you very much, listener, for checking out this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hyle of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. Lucas. Yes. How can people find you? They can find me if they try. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to do a, another, it- another blatant plug for Trying My Best, yes. which is a web series. That uh, you were involved with. I was. I was very lucky to be assistant directing that. Try my best. Look for that on YouTube. You can go to tryingmybest.tv. Do that. That's the best way to do it. Um, and definitely recommend watching that. If you like really... Like if you enjoy the weird existential horror imagery of Gravity Falls, you're probably going to enjoy some of the stuff that's going on <laughs> in Try My Best. It's a pretty out there show, but it's very, very funny. I like it. And it's got awesome lore. Like, if you pay attention, there's a cool backstory going on here, guys. Like, it definitely uh, deserves paying attention to. I almost feel like we need to sort of develop some sort of puzzle or cipher for you, like your Twitter account or something like that, people to find you. Absolutely. And we'll develop that next time. I've got time. Uh, Next week, I'll be back with Damask to discuss The Crown Season 3. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye.